So good morning, church. How are we today? Are we okay? Are we awake? How many, how many ready to, I got one witness. How many ready to hear the Word of God? How many want the Word of God? Amen. How many know that it is the ultimate determining factor for our lives? The Word of God. But before I commence, I just want to give you a challenge as a church. Before you leave here today, you make sure you say hello to our visitors. I know that you've done that already. But let's extend another Norwalk Grace welcome to them right before they leave here today. We have Tim on the end, on the pew. We have Aldo in the middle. We have Ryan. He's our very own. He's um, Ron Morrow's grandson. And, of course, we have my buddy here, my sidekick right here, my new sidekick right here, Abraham. Amen? So I want you to turn your Bibles with me. I have a title for you. It is Heaven Bound. Heaven Bound. It's up on your screen. Have you ever felt... When was the last time? I'm sure you're probably feeling this way right now. How many of you as followers of Jesus have recently felt as if you've been tested by God? That for some reason or another, God is allowing you to go through some circumstance, some situation, and it's overwhelming you in more ways than you care to imagine, right? You feel as if you're being persecuted as well. And sometimes when we feel these experiences, we wonder why God is allowing these things to happen, right? As if someone once declared to us that when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, that the sky is always going to be blue over our heads. How many know that's not true? It's, it's not true. It's not in the Bible. It's not even Bible. But God does, in fact, promise never to leave us and never forsake us. But we do have those moments, right, when we feel as if we're being tested by God. Why is it He's allowing these circumstances to invade our lives? The idea or the theme that I have for you this morning is, we're going to show it in, a, in just, a bit, just a bit up in the screen. The theme is preparation. The title is Heaven Bound, but the theme is preparation. God is allowing us to go through a season of preparation for a reason. And I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 8 through 21. And today, from this one particular passage, we are going to discover just what the children of Israel or the Hebrew people were experiencing moments before entering into the promised land. Can you say promised land with me? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 1, 8 through 21. Say amen if you have it. Feel free to open up an app for your Bibles. Chapter 1, 8 through 21. I'm, I'm waiting on you. I still see some of you leafing through the pages of your Bible. That's good. All right. It says, it begins by reading, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. At that time I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. This is Moses talking. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. 
May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose for you. Choose for your tribes. I think I'm missing a word here. Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men. And I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers, Judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not make, not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. And I will command, and I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. <clears throat> then we set out from Horeb and went throughout all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites. And the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession. As the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you, do not fear or be dismayed. Obviously, in this one particular passage, Moses is reminding the people concerning the instructions that he had given to them shortly after they exited the land of Egypt. But it's important to note that in this one particular passage, he was speaking to a new generation. We're going to get there in a few moments. Let me ask you this question. How many of you woke up this morning whispering gratitude from your hearts to God for the salvation that He has blessed you with? How many of you took the time out this morning to thank God for the breath that He has, that, that he has put in your lungs here this morning? Or for the wonderful salvation that you are experiencing today? I don't know about you, but I take the time every single morning without fail. To give God the worship that He is worthy of receiving. Did you know that the salvation that you are experiencing today is a preparation for a greater glory that will be revealed in your life very soon? When was the last time you thought about your life in those terms? That your life today, that everything that you are experiencing this side of heaven, the ups and the downs, the difficulties, the wonderful times in your life. How many are experiencing wonderful times in your life today? Uh, maybe not so many of us, right? Times are tough. Society is difficult. The circumstances that we are dealing with today, they are complex, aren't they? They're extremely difficult. And as I said to you once before, while standing behind this podium, God has not given us and quite frankly, God is never going to give us a backstage pass to see what it is He's doing behind the scenes of our lives so that we can get a good handle of what's before us. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. 
and it's not about to happen. Not from God's perspective. But He does, in fact, promise never to leave us and never to forsake us. The scenario that's taking place here in this one particular setting, this one particular passage, is that the children of, uh, of Israel, the Hebrew people, they are poised to enter into the land of promise. They are on the verge of receiving everything that God had promised to them so many years before. They're standing right there, the threshold, if you will, of the promised land. But it was important for God to emphasize these instructions. In fact, what I read to you in this passage was just an excerpt of a long instructional manual, if you will, that God prepared for them through the man of God, Moses, that they had to hear. They just simply had to hear instruction from the Lord concerning their behavior on the other side of the River Jordan. How many know that instructions are important in our lives today? How many know that? Today the theme is preparation for heaven. Preparation for heaven. Whether you're going through good stuff or bad stuff, regardless of what we experience on a day-to-day basis, it's a preparation for the soon coming wondrous experience that we're all going to be given. How many excited to get to heaven one day? <laughs> Come on, how many excited to get to heaven one day? Come on now. Don't, don't leave me up here by myself. Let me, let me find out. Let me find out. Listen, it's going to be glorious. Let's talk about this passage just a little bit. The passage we just read is a brief excerpt from a larger, much larger instructional Manual given by Moses to his people. In short, the intent of God with regard to these instructions for his people was to bring about their moral development. Can you say moral development with me? Come on, one, two, three. Moral development. How many know that when God speaks to us, he speaks to us with the intention of making sure that we are progressing, that we are developing? The Bible puts it this way in the Old Testament. From line upon line, precept upon precept. And in the New Testament, the words are from faith to faith and glory to glory. God is not satisfied with where we are today. How many know that there's more to God than what we are currently experiencing? How many know that? Amen, amen, amen. I I saw Michelle's hand and Carol Ann's hand before I even got the words out of my mouth. Listen, there's more to God than what we are currently experiencing. And if we ought to experience more of God this side of heaven, we have to yield ourselves over to God. What is it that God has to say to you and I concerning this preparation theme from this one particular passage? For 40 years at this point, this was the culmination of a long mission, of a long journey. For 40 years, they wandered In the wilderness for 40 years, seemingly going in circles, wondering when they were going to arrive, when they were going to acquire, when they were going to achieve, when they were going to finally make it in and realize the promises that God has spoken to them so many years before through the man of God, Abraham. And at this point, they were getting ready. They were ready. They were ready for the final dwelling place. But because of their rebellion, I don't know, we talked about it in previous messages, 
because of their rebellion. I mean, just a few books before, they were on the verge to enter into the promised land. They were in Kadesh Barnea. They were about to go in. Spies were sent into the land of Canaan. And God was prepared to lead them into the promised land. When they murmured, and they murmured, and they repeatedly murmured and disobeyed God to such a degree. And rather than going north into the land of Canaan to receive their inheritance, God turned them south and away from the promised land. And they wandered for 40 years until everyone 20 and older died in the wilderness. But right here in this passage, you got lots of complaining, lots of rebellion. And as I just finished stating, many, many, if not most, did not have the opportunity to enter into the land of promise. In fact, I said this once before, it's worth noting and mentioning it again, that just a little bit over 601,000 people, according to numbers, the second, um, the, the counting of the people, the census, if you will, the registration. According to Moses in the book of Numbers, a little over 601,000 men over 20 stood right here on the banks of the River Jordan ready to receive their inheritance. That's just 601,000 men. But there were children and there were many women. Look at your text with me. Look at verse 21. It says, See the Lord your God has set the land before you. He says, go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed or discouraged. This indeed was the final generation that was going to embark into the land of promise. Now let's look at this just a little bit more. And I want to take, if you will, a literary approach. I want to sort of look at some of the things that we can discover in this book in general so that we can understand the context of what's actually happening here. First, the Bible tells us, just in general, concerning the Bible alone, it tells a story of how God wants His people to live. Is that true? The Bible talks to us about how God wants us to live. And what God actually does is that He gives us instruction. We talked about that already. And this one particular book... Deuteronomy, God actually accomplishes that in the lives of His people. He gives them instruction which was extremely necessary before they inherited the land of promise. And in addition, the overall story of this one particular book is that of choice. He wanted them to understand the need to choose. The same thing applies to you and I today. We're going to get there in a little bit. But, but life is about choices, is it not? It's about choices. And if we do not have instruction or wisdom, I believe it was Joey that re- alluded to it just a few moments before he got off the stage. Without vision, my people perish. I believe that's Proverbs 28, 19, I think. 28, 19. But Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says something similar. It says, my people perish for, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So it was important for them to receive these instructions. Why? How many of you read through the Bible once before? Let me see your hand. How many know that the people in the land of Canaan, they were wild. They were wild. They were evil. They were wicked. 
They were even sacrificing their children to idols. Asterisk, Moloch, Baal, etc., etc. The Egyptology that, that, that was just, just so prevalent in the land. Not just in Egypt, but all over the known world. It was evil, and God gave them instructions so that they can, so they can not involve themselves with the practices or the culture of the people in the land. It's about choice. Choices are required on the part of God's people. We are either going to serve Him, or we are not going to serve Him. But we must make, make ourselves understand that if we choose the wrong choices... How many know that there are always consequences? There are always going to be consequences to the decisions that we make that are not pleasing to the Lord our God. And in this book, Moses is addressing the nation comprised of, number one, people who were born in the wilderness. Because the people, with the exception of those 19 and under, so I would imagine if my math is correct, the oldest Individuals here standing on the banks of the River Jordan is Joshua and Caleb. Because they were already older than 20 when they exited Egypt. But everybody besides them, I think, was 59. Is the math correct? The oldest besides Joshua and Caleb, 59. Because everybody younger, 19 and younger, entered into the promised land. And they were in the wilderness 40 years. So that's 59 years old, right? Is my math right? Somebody help me out. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. 59 years old. Secondly, these were people that were not present when God spoke through Moses and gave the law the very first time shortly after they exited Egypt. So they, they, they need to hear these instructions. And number three, which is why the book of Deuteronomy, it was so necessarily necessary in their lives. Deuteronomy actually means the second law. The second law, as is the case, God gave instructions and repeated all the commandments to them a second time. This book can actually be subtitled, Farewell Instruction for Nation. Farewell Instruction for Nation. And so as I told you already, the nation is poised to enter into the promised land after 40 years of wandering. But because of something that Moses did wrong, he has been pretty much instructed by God that he was not going to enter into the land of promise. How many remember the sin, if you will, that he had committed? How many remember? Let me see you hand. Let me see you hand. He was commanded by God to speak to the rock. Because the people were crying. They wanted water. They wanted water. And this was the second time water came out of a rock. The second time. Earlier in the book, and now this one particular time. And Moses was commanded to speak to the rock. He got angry. He took matters upon himself. And he struck the rock twice instead of speaking to it. So he heaped upon himself glory rather than making sure that the spotlight was always on the Lord. The people were murmuring. They needed to know that God was in their midst. And Moses took matters into his own hand. And as a result, he could not enter into the promised land. This one particular book, how many took the time to read it this past week? It's, a, it's an extraordinary book. It's a spectacular book. But we have to be careful when we read books like this for many reasons. 
But one of the reasons is because of the laws that are given. And how many know that not everything spoken of in the book of Deuteronomy is for you and I today? Right? Here's a quote for you. When reading the Bible, especially the Old Testament, we should always look for expressions of God's grace. We should not try to get caught up with the list of laws. That could only, that could only lead to a recipe for burdensome legalism. Consider instead the intent of the laws on the heart, on the soul, and on the attitudes of God's people. So concerning this one particular book and the, lead, the book, the laws that are listed in it, three things must be kept in mind. Number one, were they ceremonial laws? And there, many of the laws that were given in this book, they were ceremonial laws. And listen, those laws ended with Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Number two, were they civil laws? Deuteronomy chapter 21 through 25 speaks of these civil laws. And if they were, if they are indeed civil laws, they are God's permanent... I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. If so, they were intended for Israel and for Israel alone. And number three, if there were moral laws, and in, there's a long list. There's at least 613 laws listed in Deuteronomy alone. And if you read the passage again, or in Leviticus, where they mention the very first time, and you get to anything that has to do with the moral laws or spiritual laws, they are for God's people forever. Because they have to do with human relationships. Now let's consider the character of God. Because when you think about the laws... The very first thing that stuck out to me when I read the list of laws is that through them, God has revealed His character to me, to us. It's through the listing of these laws that you and I, we, we get this idea concerning God's nature in terms of what pleases Him and what displeases Him. If it were not for the laws, we wouldn't know these things about God. We would not know what pleases or displeases him so i'm thankful to god for the laws but i'm also thankful for the grace of god that we are living by today where would we be if we had to live by these laws if we were justified by these laws mm, there'd be an empty church in here right mm, paula said mm, pauline right there'd be an empty church in here so, so through the laws, we learn about what pleases God. And also the laws were intended to impress upon us the seriousness of our actions before a holy God. People who are not in the faith. People who are not believers. They live their lives however they want to live their lives for many reasons, right? Right? But one of the reasons is because they don't know the holy God that you and I serve. And the list of laws reveals His character to us. And it affords us, it allows us to, to develop this reverence or this respect for God. So the point number one that I have for you this morning is the antitype or the antitype is revealed. What am I talking about? We read about this instruction that God gave His people through the prophet, through the man of God, Moses. And this one particular scenario that took place that we just mentioned briefly, the giving of the instruction, the giving of the law, that preparation phase that they went through, through through the entire wilderness that was so necessary because of their hearts being so evil, 
God wanted to prepare them to receive the promised land. That was the type of what you and I experience this side of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or rather, this side of the cross. We are going through a process, and the Bible refers to this process as sanctification. How many know about sanctification? It it happens when we come to know Jesus Christ. The moment I said yes to Jesus Christ long ago, instantaneously He sanctified me. Well, He sanctified me too, right? He justified me. Yes, Roman, this is my sermon, Stephen. You can't be preaching. This this is my sermon. Thank you very much. When you get your own pulpit, then you can go ahead and pray. (laughs) So He justifies us. Yes. Romans 5.1, he puts his hand upon us, his finger, and he declares us righteous. But sanctification is one of the other major doctrines in the New Testament as well. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 14, where he separates us. He translates us, according to Paul, Colossians 1. He removes us from the kingdom of darkness and he plants us in the kingdom of light. The kingdom of the Most High God. So what used to apply over there no longer applies over here. Thank God for His grace. Right? But this process, we're talking about sanctification. It's not just something that happens instantaneously when we give our lives to the Lord and He translates us. It's also a lifelong process of deliverance. The things that you are struggling with today in terms of the habitual sins... Right? We, we, we have them, right? Mm, we won't say amen to that. But we have them. We have our inconsistencies. We all have our struggles. And these things God wants to address in us. He wants to bring about a sanctification, a cleansing, or a deliverance so that we can look more like Him every single day. Amen, somebody. He wants us to look more like Him every single day. But this process is not easy. This preparation process is the antitype of what the children of Israel went through in the Old Testament. He allowed them to go through the, through the wilderness over and over again because He had to purge them, because He had to cleanse them, because He had to prepare them to receive the promised land. You and I, we're not exempt from it. Yes, if I die today, I'm, I'm going up yonder. I'm going straight to heaven because of His grace. But while I have life, while I have breath in my lungs, God wants me to pursue more of Him. It's not, it's not about more knowledge and more education. It's not about that. It's, it's about knowing Him. Paul the Apostle says, I want to know Him. We shared this at Eddie's house yesterday as well. The word know in the Greek for knowing God, not learning about Him, is knowing Him personally and intimately. It's the same word, the root of it, that is, that applies to a man and a woman after marriage. The conjugal experience that takes place there. The intimacy that exists between a man and a woman in holy matrimony. It's the same word. The way I know my wife, God wants me to know Him intimately and personally, just like that. That's how He wants us to live our lives. The Word is preparation. He's preparing us. Now consider the preparation. How many, how many married folk in the church today? Boy, some of you in denial. You don't even want to put your hands up. You know you're married. Come on, people, work with me. You know you're married and you... 
This is an opportunity. Yeah, I'm married. Listen, in spite of the trouble she's giving you, Jack. In spite of the problem that, he, that, that, that he's giving you. This is an opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm married and what? And what? Janine, amen. Amen. <laughs> now consider the preparation that goes in, 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 in getting ready to get married. Right? You remember that preparation phase? Yes, it was difficult and you don't want to do it again. God forbid, right? You get divorced tomorrow, you're, you're going to stay by yourself for the rest of your life. That's how difficult the process is to get ready. She said, yeah, mm-hmm, you can talk about it, preacher. That's right. It, it's a, it was a difficult process to get through. And when it was finally over, I said, man, can we just get over this thing? Right, Bren? Bren? Huh? Yeah? More so me than her. Because she put more... She put more into it, right? I just wanted to get it over with. Can we just get to the honeymoon already? Don't think wrong. Red apple. Red apple. How many see a red apple right now in your mind? I want to share an illustration. Jesus Christ took the time in Matthew chapter 25. He gives us a parable of the ten virgins. How many are familiar with the parable of the ten virgins? It's an amazing story because it's an invitation that God has given us, that Jesus Christ was given, giving all of mankind. And it's, it's, a, it's an invitation that, in, that encompasses the entire New Testament generation. The entire New Testament dispensation, if you will. Jesus is calling everyone to accept this invitation. And if we're willing, we will experience salvation. But if we are unwilling and reject the invitation, we ultimately have to pay a consequence, right or wrong. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. The point is that we have with us an opportunity to get right with God this side of heaven. And it began when Jesus was introduced as the Lamb of God. You remember that passage in early in the Gospels when John the Baptist was baptizing in the River Jordan and all of a sudden Jesus Christ shows up. John the Baptist was already speaking of someone who was coming in behind him with a message, which is the important thing that we have to take away from this. And John the Baptist is declaring, and finally Jesus Christ shows up one day and he turns the spotlight on Jesus Christ. The world came out to see John the Baptist. They surely appreciated his ministry. It was authentic. It was genuine. It was real. He was empathetic with them. And they, they, they respected him for that. But Jesus was the one that he was speaking of. Somebody is coming up behind me whose sandals I am not worthy to loose or tie. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And from that point forward, all attention was focused on Jesus Christ. Can you hear John the Baptist? Can you hear him today? Pointing to Jesus Christ. It marked the commencement of God's greatest offer to mankind. The salvation of the human soul. In John 8.36, the Bible reads, If the Son, therefore shall make you free or set you free, you shall be free indeed. It was a glorious thing that Jesus Christ came to do in the lives of mankind. But the important thing to take away from this is 
the message that Jesus Christ was delivering. Because that same chapter, John 8, but in verse 32, it says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That was the point of Jesus' ministry. To speak words of life, to share the good news, to talk to people about the avenue that He was creating for them to enter into heaven itself one day. For the most part, people rejected Him. In John chapter 8, the people who were present having that conversation with Jesus Christ, they, wanted to, they were referring to Abraham. Well, listen, we don't know who you are, Jack. We have our father Abraham, so we don't know what you're talking about. And they essentially went on to reject him. And yet he was trying to give them the understanding that they had to go through him. That he was, in fact, the antitype of what was revealed in the Old Testament. The salvation, this preparation is through Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Point number two, a time to prepare. I talked about it just a little bit thus far. A time to prepare. Think about the years the Hebrew people spent in the wilderness. Generally speaking, we're not going to repeat the things that we talked about so far. They wandered and they wandered and they went round and around and around because of the rebellion. And for many, the days were numbered due to their rebellion against God. But also, the same holds true for the camp on the other side. Many were able to enter into the promised land because they believed in God. Or rather, because of their innocence. That's the grace of God that's being revealed in the Old Testament. The same holds true for you and I today as well. The Lord has determined to refine us into the image of His Son. And this process is, in fact, often painful. It's about preparation. He prepared His people to receive the promised land. He's preparing you and I today as well. Listen to the voice of Peter in chapter 1, 6 and 7. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We asked the question once before, not long ago. How do you purify gold? You burn it. You put it through the fire. And the goldsmith, we, we said this before, the goldsmith doesn't stop the process until he's able to behold his reflection on the surface of the miracle, uh, of the, min the mineral. Until then, he's going to refine it He's going to refine it over and over again. How many know that's exactly the same thing that God puts us through? We're talking about preparation. He doesn't put us through the test or put us through the fire to be saved. He puts us through the test and the fire because we are saved. And because He wants us to reflect His image this side of heaven so that we can not only edify one another or rather be stable as individuals, but so that we can edify one another as well. And number three, so that we can propagate or preach the gospel so that people out there can know exactly what you and I are experiencing as well. It's about preparation and it's necessary in our lives. Think about the parable of the ten virgins again. Their responsibility was to prepare for the wedding. Jesus Christ was teaching a lesson there about preparation. 
They were supposed to be responsible. Trim their lamps. Be ready because you don't know when the groom is going to show up. You don't know when he's going to arrive. It's about preparation. In 1 Thessalonians, I love this passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. We're talking about preparation. This verse speaks of sanctification. It speaks of the process that most believers, especially in this Western culture of Christianity, do not want anything to do with. Because it's a touchy subject. It's a controversial subject as well. But it's a very necessary process. And if we understand it in terms of God wanting to reflect His image through us and into the world, we'd be, we'd be in a better position to, to embrace, to appropriate, to make it a reality or realize it in our lives in a very personal way. Instead of evade or elude or denounce or dismiss this process that God has for us. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? And I'm not talking about you, but think of a few generations before us. And the, the people who perhaps sat among us. I'm taking my time because I don't want to be harsh with my words. I don't want to be wrong with my words either. But think about the individuals who have come and gone, who sat a lifetime in our pews and never changed. You think it's not a reality in church? You think, you think people aren't among us today who don't know Jesus and who have been among us for a very long time? You think that that's not possible? It is, it is possible. This refusal to yield to the Spirit of God, it's possible. you got many people that, that are born again today and they go 20, 30 years without experiencing any growth because of this refusal to yield to the Spirit of sanctification. See, you got silent on me. I, I, see, I told you it was a touchy subject. We just don't want to handle the subject. We don't want to touch it. Can you just get over, get, get over yourself right now, get to the final, the final part, right? I know I didn't like it either when I first heard it, but it's so necessary in our lives. The point is this. It is in the process of preparation that we learn how to fulfill God's purpose. God's not after destroying us. He doesn't want to destroy us. He doesn't want to humiliate us through the circumstances He allows to invade our lives. He wants to make us more like Himself so that in the end we can fulfill His purpose. How many here among us this morning, you want to fulfill God's purpose in your life? Come on, come on, come on. Anybody else? You want to fulfill God's purpose for your life. He does it through the sanctification process. Last point is titled, Heaven's Glory. Heaven's Glory. Can you imagine how the Israelites must have felt when they received as their inheritance the land of promise? Finally, after so many years, they've entered into the promised land. And it was exactly how Jacob, Joshua and Caleb described. A land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, the grapes were humongous. You, you read that, right, in the passage before? The grapes, the fruit, they were, we talk about massive. Baby, I want dinner tonight. What do you want? Just one grape. J just, one, just give me one grape. And that's it. That's all it took. 
A grape the size of my head. Can you imagine that? I'm full already. I don't want anything else. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. And just think, because God eliminated the peoples of the land, they inherited houses they did not build. They inherited farmland they did not plow or sow into. They inherited crops and harvests. They put no labor into whatsoever. Just think of that. Fruitful farms that they did not plant. And yet, it's the same thing that applies to you and I today. Jesus said it best in John 10.10. I love it. The latter part of the verse. It says, The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. God has wonderful things in store for us. You talk about the Robin Hood effect, taking from the rich to give to the poor. I don't mean it in that literal sense, of course. But God providing what you and I need today. Hasn't God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. God's been good to us. Why? Because He loves us like that. Because of His grace. Because these are the promises. From be, in fact, before the foundation of the world, He promised to bless His people. Those who will receive His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing. Now consider Philippians 4.19. If you're writing down any verses. And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. What an amazing promise that is. We said it before, we say it again. It's not about prosperity this or prosperity that. It's about the grace of God and how God chooses to relate with us as His children Any parents here hate your children? Let me see your hand. A parent here this morning, they hate, you hate your children. You, hate, you just hate, you fundamentally hate your children. They, they don't exist. They don't exist. Your child laid a hand on you, you're still going to love that child. Your, tr your child is, it has taken off doing his own thing or her own thing, you're still going to love that child, right or wrong. Because there's something special there. Because that's your child. I may not necessarily see your child the way you're seeing your child in that difficult situation. But that's your child. And you're going to respect that child. You're going, to, you're going to love that child no matter what. How much more God and His love for you and I as His children? How much more? That's important to say. Because sometimes we get in over our heads. Listen, the burden, the IRS, the health issue, the financial issue, whatever the case may be. And we get so burdened that we forget about the goodness of God. Right or wrong? And we forget about the promises that God has made to us. And listen, today He's making you a promise. If He hasn't made this promise to you before, because you haven't discovered it before, Philippians 4.19, make it a signature verse. Make it a signature passage. My God's going to look out for me. Hebrews 13.5, he, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Last verses in, in Matthew 28. I, I've memorized these verses because I need it in my heart. I know what my personal disposition is like. You give me one difficulty today and tomorrow, I'm capable of wandering away from my God and King. 
So I make it a point to learn His Word. Father, talk to me today. I need to know exactly what's going on. Last verse. Last verse. John 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The point here is heaven's glory. In the same way they rejoiced when they entered the promised land and received that mega, mega, mega inheritance, you and I stand to receive something of greater value than that literal land, that physical land they inherited. But it was a type of what you and I are going to experience one day very soon. I don't know about you, but I'm going up yonder. Anybody going up yonder? Amen. Can you stand with me? Joey, I'm done. How many going up yonder? Stand with me. Listen, and I don't, I don't know about you, but I think I did this once before. This is how I'm going out. Look. I want to go like that. Just like that. You've got to pick your posture. Because it's going to happen just like that, right? In a twinkling of a line. Not a blink. In a twinkling. That's faster. Just like that when we least suspect it. And we're going up yonder. And God has something glorious in heaven for every single one of us. So what did we talk about here today? We talked about the antitype, that process that they went through, and how it mirrors, how it shadowed what you and I are going through today as well. This preparation phase that we are going through. God is equipping us. God is developing us. He's bringing about this growth in our lives so that we could be more like Him this side of heaven. Why? Because you need it, and because somebody else needs it as well. Somebody in this world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from your lips. And at the very least, be able to see the gospel at work in your lifestyle. And finally, one day very soon, we're going home. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know Jesus Christ personally and intimately? Amen. Let us sing and worship the Lord.
opportunity to anyone here among us this morning who perhaps doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. That song speaks of an amazing grace. Jesus gave his all so that we may have this amazing grace. What's it about? It's about salvation, number one. And the reality that we don't have to earn it to get it. It's a free gift. Salvation is available to any and all who will come through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so he opened up this avenue, this road, this pathway to salvation. And all we have to do is call upon God... Call upon heaven through Jesus Christ. 
He died in our place. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do. It's not about coming to church even. Coming to church is important, but it's not about that. I'm not saved because I'm coming to church. I'm saved because I cried out to Jesus. And I know there's somebody here today who has not taken the opportunity to call upon the name of Jesus in that way. And the altar is open. If you're here today and you want to know this Jesus, I want to invite you forward. Don't be afraid. I know your knees are shaking if you are here and you don't know Jesus. Your heart's beating really fast. All of a sudden, somebody turned up the heat in here. And your palms are sweating. And you want to come forward. But you've never done anything like this before. This is an opportunity for you to publicly acknowledge Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. Whosoever will deny me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. If you need to know Jesus, come forward. Give us the opportunity to lead you into the arms of Jesus Christ. If not, let us sing this chorus. Sing it loudly. Sing it with gusto. Sing it with devotion and with worship. Let all of heaven hear us praise the Lord this morning. Amen. today. Thank you so much for allowing us to come freely into this place like this. Thank you for allowing us to enjoy your presence here today. Thank you for allowing us to enjoy fellowship with one another here today. Thank you so much for the songs you've allowed us to sing to you today, Lord God. Thank you so much for bringing edification to our lives. Thank you for the lessons that we've learned from your word today. May you give us the strength by your Holy Spirit to apply these things to our lives, Heavenly Father. We want to be doers of your word and not hearers only deceiving our own selves. We want to be the children that you will have us to be this side of heaven. 
And Father, we, don't, we, we certainly don't want to denounce or reject this process of sanctification that you put us through. We don't understand why we deal with the things that we deal with on a daily basis sometimes. But Father, we believe. Today we declare that we believe. Please teach us. Teach us to follow your ways. In the precious, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you guys.